Welcome to Food Chat, a weekly show that's all about food production, including farming, ranching, processing, and basically all things involved in getting food from the field to your plate. Now, let's get you reconnected to your food, and here's your host, Greg Bloom. Talk about an uphill battle, 2,000 acres of beans and cattle. But he don't ever get rattled, he just goes till the sun goes down. This is Greg Bloom, and welcome to another episode of Food Chat. What is Food Chat, anyway? Well, Food Chat is all about reconnecting you to food. If you're a foodie, if you like to eat food, if you like to know where food comes from and how it gets from the pasture to your plate, this is the show for you. We interview farmers, ranchers, people in the food production business to help you understand where food comes from. Hey, today I'm excited to have, as a guest, Pat Morgan from Morgan Ranch. Hey, Pat, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Great. Hey, Pat, let's just start off giving uh, our listeners here which are all around the country, a um, idea of your family ranch. How did your family get started raising cattle? Well, our ranch has been nestled in the sand hills of Nebraska, what we consider to be God's country out here, where it's beautiful grasslands. Uh, we're very lucky that uh, my grandparents moved up here uh, and started ranching. Prior to that, it was my dad's sister or my granddad's sister that actually came up and bought this piece of ground that we live on now back in uh, roughly 1930s. And they came up here and uh, and surveyed the area, found a piece of ground that they really loved uh, and picked up this piece of ground. What they did was they ran yearlings and we still have pictures. And if you talk to the old timers in town, they still remember that they would take Longhorn, Texas Longhorn cattle, they would put them on a train, bring them up to Burwell, Nebraska, get them off the train at Burwell, and then it would gather up a group of high school boys and they would trail ride them out here. It's about a 20 mile trail ride out to this piece of ground. And, uh, and they do that all summer long. And, and to talk to the old timers and get to listen to those stories is really great. My grandma and my granddad, uh, Papa Dan and Doris, moved up here with their two little boys, Ronnie and Danny. And they, uh, they came up in 1956 on, uh, with an old, uh, Oliver super 60 and, uh, and a tractor or a trailer that had, uh, had nine yearlings in it. And they started building their herd from there and just working hard every day, staying after it, being part of a family, finding the way that works for them. They went on to, uh, start doing, purebred Hereford cattle and showing livestock. And they developed a, a really good line of livestock that we still show today. We still do a lot of uh, purebred Hereford showing around the nation. We go to the national shows and uh, in the local shows also. And we work with those. They also ran some yearlings for quite a while, which is just when we say running yearlings, you, uh, you have the calf after it's weaned you can take and put them on grass for X amount of months to help build their structure and their muscles so that they're ready to go on and, and do well. And it's just a different style that some do and some don't. And both ways are good. It's just something you can do to try to continue using your grass depending on how much you have available. 
And so we were running the purebred Herefords and working those. And uh, Uncle Dan, he was trying to sell beef. And this would be, I believe is the late 80s. And he would go to Japan and try to sell purebred Hereford beef and, and commodity style beef. And they'd say, it's not good enough. That's not good enough. And he said, okay, well, what is good enough? And they said, you need to look at Wagyu. And so he did. He started investigating it and figuring out what Wagyu is. And then in the early 90s, he found a herd that was for sale out of Oklahoma. He picked up that herd. He shipped them up here. And we've been working with that particular bloodlines ever since and just developing and building it up as we go. So now we run a ton of cows and we do a lot of work with them. And we develop what we believe is the very best beef in the nation. Yeah, well, I have been out to your ranch, uh, Pat, and it's just a beautiful ranch. And if people have never been to the sand hills of Nebraska, that northwest corner of the state, they might not know, Pat, that it's not flat like parts of Nebraska or Kansas. It's beautifully rolling hills, and it's just, just a really – and there's such rich soil there. Uh, and it's just probably a great place to, to raise cattle. Such a great ecosystem to get into. Uh, yeah, and the, the interstate doesn't do Nebraska justice. You've got to get north of there and start seeing our rolling hills of uh, Valentine sand. It's just like the beautiful sand you see on the white sandy beaches. But we've done such a great job of getting it productive and getting, making sure the proper grasses, all native grasses, are growing. And, you know, right now um, there's a thing in, in FFA called range judging. And my kids are at it right now and whatnot, and I enjoy doing it. And it's where we actually go out and identify which grasses are good, which grasses are bad. And we do a contest with hundreds of kids and and find out uh, and try to improve everybody's ability to, to be able to look at the range and understand whether it's in good shape or bad shape. Yeah, that's so important. Uh, people that uh, don't understand what that really means, it's just so that you don't you know, overgraze your your mm -hmm. your fields and, and your ranch. Also, you need to make sure that your cattle are are getting the proper nutrition off the kinds of grass that uh, they're eating. I I understand. I read somewhere uh, that your your ranch won an environmental award uh, a while back. What what was that all about? And uh, I believe it was 2013. We were the Region Seven uh, Environmental Stewards Award recipient, along with our neighbors right here in the Gracie Creek Valley. We all grouped up and uh, we did a, a study on trying to get rid of the invasive eastern red cedar, which is a tree that grows here, but it uh, it's not native to this portion of the United States. And what it did was it, it caused erosion to our ground and it also gave a perching point for avian predators. And those, we worked with the prairie chickens and the uh, sage and the the uh, grouse and uh, sharp-tailed grouse and uh, and just kind of did a study on getting rid of those and seeing if we couldn't improve the uh, prairie chicken population in the area and it really did work well and because all three ranches right up the Gracie Creek Valley work together we got a big enough area that it, we're uh, uh, and uh, we are deemed a important bird area and we worked together to try to improve our wildlife. And with doing so, we improved our soil, we improved our uh, grasses, and that improves our livestock and everything really can work together and do it in harmony. 
That's neat. So much more involved than uh, just just raising high quality beef on a ranch. Hey, let's talk, Pat, about the uh, beef life cycle because our listeners mostly are in urban areas. Probably the majority mm-hmm. of them have never had a chance to visit a ranch. So here we're allowing them to do one virtually. We're giving them a virtual tour of your ranch. But tell us about the beef cattle life cycle. So whether it's for Herefords or for Angus, I don't know if it's any different, but mm-hmm. like how long um, is a is a cow pregnant? And then tell us about mm-hmm. how long they're with their mom before they're weaned. And just go through that for us. You bet. Uh, so actually this morning that was one of my jobs is we do, we pull the bulls at a particular time of year. And so I'm pulling bulls today. And that way they don't, uh, they have on a schedule that works with us. A cow, whether it is a Hereford, Angus, Wagyu, whatever, they have a gestation of typically 282 to 285 days. And that's how long the animal will incubate inside its mother. And then we will calve them and we always bring them into a better watched area. We still calve out on the range. Uh, The young heifers, first calf heifers, we watch a little closer. So they're going to calve in a place that's right between my house and the ranch. And it's about 160 acres. The main herd of cows, that's uh, cows that are running somewhere between three, three years of age up to, you know, 12, 15. So we like to do it out there because it's better for the animal. There's less uh, chance of bacteria in the soil and that type of stuff. So we'll calve them typically in that late March, April timeframe. And we're going to calve that cow and then we'll process them where they get vaccinated and they get uh, any medicines they may need. And we do that to try to keep any bad diseases down. Mm-hmm. And we then we take and split them up into what we would call summer range because they're going to need a bigger area to be on as they grow. They'll go in groups of anywhere from 20 head up to 150 head in the group, depending on where they go and what group they are in. They'll be on their mother then for typically six months. And after six months, we will take that calf who who was born at usually around 70 pounds. He was born as a baby. And then at six months, he's going to weigh about 500 pounds. And we're going to wean those calves, do a process of taking them off their mothers. And the reason we do that is it's time for that calf to start developing its own gut and its own ability to eat, feed, and take care of itself. And it's also time for that cow to have a, a uh, have less energy demand on her body so she can start building up her body and getting ready for winter and start doing the... the uh, everything it needs to do for the calf that's developing in her womb. So we go, we're going to wean those calves there about 500 pounds. They're going to go in on a high roughage diet. Uh, it's just like I said, you could take cattle to grass during the summer. Well, ours are being weaned here, you know, typically October, November timeframe. And we're going to take and uh, give them a high roughage diet so that they're developing their bone structure and the muscles are elongating and becoming bigger. And then uh, we will typically have that animal go to 900 pounds on that diet, 900,000 pounds. And that'll get you into January to March timeframe. And then, so the calf's basically becoming a year old. He's usually about a thousand pounds when he goes on a higher corn ration 
something that has more energy in it. And the reason we give them some more energy for an animal that's intended for beef is so that it's going to have more marbling and more flavor into the meal and to the meat. Uh, the animal that's going to be intended for breeding will actually continue on a higher roughage diet. That way they've got a larger rumen and they're able to convert more grasses into energy as they will be demanded as they will be out on pasture more of their life. Okay, great. Thanks for that explanation. So the way I understand it, gestation's 285 days approximately. It's about 11 months uh, close and then they're typically calving in late March so early spring and then they're with their mom all summer long in the fields uh, and then they're weaned in the fall and so that makes a lot of sense hey let's talk about Pat why Wagyu is so popular and you know your uncle Dan when he's over in Hong Kong and Asia hearing about their requirement for high quality beef, uh, you know, what can you tell us about the Wagyu breed and, and why you think it produces such high quality beef? The Wagyu breed, uh, it does a tremendous job of getting high quality, high flavor, really tender and juicy beef. And, and I, it does that because it's always been developed to do that. When you take and you want a trait and you have the ability to go after that trait, you can develop really some great stuff. Just like the Herefords needed to be a little more, uh, be more able to take climates. They have a thicker skin, a little heavier wool coat or hair coat on them. The Wagyu were developed very much for that trait of being tender, juicy, and high marbled. And that's why they can do it. Uh, we pay very close attention to that. And also we pay attention to the efficiency in which they do it. So they have to be able to do it in a time frame that's uh, relative to the Hereford and the Angus, the British breed style cattle. Are there any uh, big differences, Pat, between raising Hereford cattle for beef and Wagyu cattle for beef, or is it pretty similar? There are some differences. Uh, you know, the Wagyu cattle, they are a smaller framed animal. They're not quite as big as some of those British breed cattle get. Mm -hmm. A lot of our Wagyu cows are going to really 1200 pounds that's a mature cow that's in good shape uh, and a, a fat animal for us will be somewhere around 13 and a half to 1400 pounds so they aren't quite as big in comparison to the british breed cows that we run are for the cows are 14 to 1500 pounds and some of the fat animals will be that 14 to 1600 pounds pretty quick and so they're a little smaller frame they don't convert quite as well as the British breed, and we're not asking them to. They take their time on the feed, and so they're going to be fed for about two months longer than our British cattle will. So they do take a little more time. So when you say convert, um, our listeners may not know that you're talking about the efficiency in which the cattle can convert their feed to to muscle right to muscle mass is that what you're it's, saying yes yeah. it, it's converting the feed into muscle mass and fat cover and it's something we do have to pay attention to uh, something i didn't mention about along that process you know we wean them we do all that we also take those animals and uh and take them to a feedlot that's just 18 miles from us right there at burwell or a little bit north of burwell and uh, we bought that feed yard so that it would be nice and close so that 
livestock don't have to do a whole bunch of traveling on trucks for us. We want them to be as little stress as possible. Also, it's in a great location because that's where there's a ton of corn grown there. There's a lot of roughages. All the feeds, even the distiller's grains are only 30 miles away. So all the feeds are very local. So we're trying to keep from having to do a lot of trucking on our feedstuffs. And that way we can keep uh, keep everything pretty friendly uh, with the environment and everything. The converting, we always look into making sure that uh, our livestock are able to eat uh, so many pounds of feed and then through metabolism and everything, they work it into their muscle and develop into their fat and try to do it very efficiently. You know, Pat, uh, I was working in Hawaii for a while, uh, about 10 years ago, and I ran into a chef that uh, was from the Midwest and he's working in Hawaii. And he told me that he will only buy beef that is grown in the part of Nebraska where you're raising your beef. And he didn't mention any company names and he really didn't care as much about which company it was. It was more about the geographic location. Uh, why do you think that, he, and I asked him, well, wow, chef, why do you want beef from that part of Nebraska? He said, I don't know what they've got going on there, but their beef is just very high quality. It's very consistent. Uh, so you're from there. What, what, what is it he's, uh, he's experiencing? Well, you know, in this part of Nebraska and in the upper Midwest, we do a ton of livestock in this area. We're very good at making sure that they have the proper stuff to graze, uh, the proper feed stuff. We're also very good at making sure that we introduce uh, some concentrates, whether it is corn or not, but something with more energy into their feed so that they have the ability to put on some fat. Because we do realize in this area, we're going to get cold. Come January, it's going to get cold. And when it gets cold, they need to have enough energy and fat cover so that they can stay warm. You can pay a lot of attention to the animal when it gets sub-zero and really cold out there or we get a heavy snow or something, and you can see the animals that are your best, uh, your most efficient because they've got just like a house that has good insulation. That snow sits right over them and it doesn't melt away. That means that they're insulated well. That means that we've fed them well. That means they have enough energy in their system to stay warm and they've got a nice fire in their belly. So we do know how to give them some energy and that that coupled with the good grasses and and uh, an environment that's pretty friendly to raising livestock, it works pretty well. Okay, I thought you might say it's the water or something. I don't know, but that makes a lot of sense. Well, we do have a good water here. Got that Ogallala aquifer under us. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Uh, Pat, you had opportunities uh, in your life to do other things besides work on the family ranch maybe you could share with our listeners why you choose to stay involved with the family business and then maybe you could then go into uh what are some of the challenges of raising beef on, on your family's ranch well you know on our family uh, we've always joked that our homing beacon's pretty strong because you've got not only my uncle dan but my dad dad ron they both came back to the family ranch uh, and then uh, Ron's kids, my dad's kids, you know, there's three of us that came back to the family ranch. So we all just really love the lifestyle and everything. We know that it's a ton of work, but we also know the rewards that come with it. There's not very many people that get to go out. And right now, even with fall calving and everything, I get to go out and see how many new babies we have and, 
and get to get on a horse when it's 70 degrees out and go ride all day. Just yesterday, uh, I got to got on, get on a horse with my wife and we just had one bull together. So it's basically a, a nice relaxing ride to go out and do. So we, we know the joys that come with it because we have a ton of freedom and everything. It also comes with a lot of responsibilities. You know, we have to take care of everything. An animal has to be fed every day and it doesn't matter if it's Christmas day, I still have to go break the ice for them to drink. You know, those things have to happen, but we understand the responsibilities and really enjoy the rewards. Now we fully realize that it takes a whole herd of us Morgans to take care of this because there's a lot of different pieces to the puzzle. We've got uh, Dan did started the beef business. Now my brother Raj is uh, stepping into it a lot and working with it. Uh, my dad has always ran cattle. I have stepped into a lot of running the cow side of things and the range management. We always like to lead with whoever has the best foot in that, that, uh, that entity. My sister, she's very good at uh, social media and understands how to keep uh, records. So she gets to deal with a lot of the computer prog problems that I create. So, so it all works out very well. And we hope to continue it along the way with the whole family working together and, and getting it all done. Sounds like a great family team you've got. Uh, Rod, uh, I've met Roger before and, of course, Dan. And I've been to your ranch a couple of years ago. Roger gave me a nice tour. And I have a YouTube video on my on my visit there. It's just three minutes long. I'll put the link here on foodchat.us so people can see the ranch if they want to. Hey, uh, Pat, you know, a lot of people hear things that are not true about animal welfare and about how animals are treated. And they also might think that, um, that, that cattle are primarily raised by big, huge international conglomerates. They, they probably don't realize that the majority of cattle in this country are raised by farms, families, uh, you know, people like you raising cattle. Maybe you could speak just for a few minutes about about what it's like to care for animals. And maybe you could debunk the myth that these animals are somehow abused in the process. Well, there would be no reason to abuse an animal. It doesn't do anybody any good. Uh, really to look at like I said earlier, we get into showing and we like showing livestock. We show purebred Herefords and there's hundreds and thousands of kids that do it. And it's a great way to look at it. Those animals are super well taken care of. They're taken care of better than I take care of myself. Usually they are fed exactly on time with the right type of meal. Every time they're washed twice a day, they get their hair taken care of way more than I take care of my own hair, you know, they, those kids that grow up showing livestock are really the next step in, in the whole industry because they understand it. They understand the amount of work and the amount of joy you get out of it. We run several cows out here and we take care of every one of them to the best of our ability. They all have to be well-maintained. They've got to make sure they've got fresh, clean water, good feeding from them, and, you know, adequate shelter and that is another beautiful thing about the sand hills we have those rolling hills create great shelter for the animals in the in the colder weathers when they need to get out of the wind they can always find a spot to shelter out and so you've got to take care of these livestock and make sure that they're okay we spend a lot of time doing that and just making sure that 
everything is prepped and ready for them so that they can do the very best that they can. Yeah, and I have uh, seen your ranch firsthand and see those animals are very happy. And I've also seen them being showed at the National Western Stock Show in Denver several times and see a pin of your animals. And they are, yeah, their hair is cleaner than my hair by far, for sure. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, that's great. Um, Hey, Patrick, we don't have too much time left, but uh, let's tell our listeners if they were interested in trying some beef from the Morgan family. You know, it's pretty rare in this uh, day and age to be able to buy beef uh, from the family that raises them uh, in, in individual pieces. You don't have to buy a whole cow or half a cow, or you can if you want to, you want to fill your freezer up, but your family also will sell people just uh, uh, pieces of, uh, of high quality beef, both your Hereford and your, and your uh, Wagyu off your family's website. So tell people how they could uh, find that. You bet. We've got uh, a website there, morganranchinc.com. And uh, it, we sell individual steaks, uh, whatever style you like. Uh, and we do combo packs where you can have different styles of steaks and sell it off the website. That will ship straight from the ranch. The Right here at the ranch, every day, Monday through Thursday, we're going to ship out beef to uh, whomever wants it. And uh, it works out really good. We send it out FedEx second day, typically. That's why we like to end on Thursday, so it doesn't get caught somewhere over a weekend. But uh, it's excellent beef to eat. We enjoy it every day. Yeah, your beef must be good, uh, Pat, because I know that uh, I've talked to Dan a few times, and a lot of your beef is sold uh, in Europe. So if they're buying beef in Europe from from your ranch, it must be good because they're paying the freight over. Yeah. Yeah, you bet. We like to we send the beef worldwide, whether it's to Europe, whether it's to Asia, and we send a lot here right in the United States. That's great. Well, hey, uh, Pat, thanks for being on Food Chat. It's just so important for people to know a little bit about the production of food. And uh, I just have one last question for you. Uh, do you think that your ranch is sustainable for the future? We will the next generation will your kids be able to carry carry on go forward? I do believe it's sustainable. We've tried to develop in that with that mindset that uh, everybody has a place uh, that they can come back to and find the find what works for them. We also have done it in a sustainable way that the uh, the ranch will be here. You know, we took care of the grasses, we took care of the animals, we took care of all the steps, so it's there. We want the kids to come back. We want them to find what they want to do, and then they can excel in it and help out in all the other parts of the business too that's great news hey pat thanks for being on food chat it was so good talking to you and uh, i'll let you get back to work out there in the fall i know you're busy in the fall with all that you got going on so thank you yes thank you i appreciate being on with you Today's episode of Food Chat is brought to you by RanchFreshMeats.com. RanchFreshMeats.com has the best selection of beef, bison, wagyu, air-chilled chicken, turkey, and duroc pork, and more, all sourced from the family farms and ultra-clean USDA plants that they know personally. Take the mystery out of where your meat comes from and how the animals were cared for and buy your family's meats at RanchFreshMeats.com. Hey, save 10% on your first order by using Food Chat at checkout. Orders over $200 include free shipping. RanchFreshMeats.com Here's to the farmer that plants the fields in the spring That turn from green to bad harvest honey 
Opinions expressed on KLZ 560 are those of the speaker and do not necessarily reflect those of Crawford Broadcasting, the station, management, employees, associates, or advertisers. KLZ 560 is a Crawford Broadcasting God and Country station.